Get ready for unique, rare, and little-known treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to The Amazing World of Radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to The Amazing World of Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me. Box 13 at greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for the final episode of our Christmas series. And for that, we're going to turn to the greatest story ever told. Now, if you hear that name, you might think of the 1965 movie, which was based on a 1949 novel. But this radio series actually predated both. It aired from 1947 to 1956 over ABC. It was a series that told stories from the life of Christ and also other stories from the Bible. It was actually sponsored by the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, but unlike other series, uh, you did not actually get uh, you know, commercials in the program. I think they had a sense that you're using this program to dramatize sacred stories, and if you try to break into that for a typical commercial announcement for something like selling tires, that could come off as a bit tacky. So they had, took the sponsorship, but uh, used it in a very minimalistic sort of way. The cast is also anonymous, so most of what we know in terms of who was actually involved in the production, we found out later. Most of the voices I've recognized have tended to be actors who appeared in New York radio, so it's really hard to figure out individual actors. But let's go ahead and take a listen to this episode. Uh, the original air date is December the 21st, 1947, and the title is No Room at the Inn. <laughs> The greatest story ever told. This afternoon, we present No Room at the Inn, the first of two Christmas season dramas about the birth of that child who was to live the greatest life ever lived. It was a bad time. The heavy hand of Caesar was on the people. In the towns and the cities, there was fear in the air. Even far from the towns and cities, there was uneasiness. High up in the hills of Judea, two shepherds stood watch over their flocks. And even amid the green hills, there was no peace. Not in the soft sound of the sheep, nor in the rustling sound of the light wind as it set the leaves and grasses to gentle trembling. Now... The shepherds looked beyond their flocks and down into the valley. 
And what they see sets fear stirring in their hearts. Finally, one of them raises his crook staff to point toward the valley, and he says anxiously, Jonathan, a cloud of dust. The whole valley is a cloud of dust. Yes. And the dust rises as though it were stirred by many hooves and many feet. It comes from the road. Is that what you meant to say, Don? Yes, Daniel. Then you think as I do. If you mean it looks like armies are on the move, yes, I think the same. Perhaps we should go further up into the hills. To save the sheep? Yes. When war comes, who is it feeds Caesar's army? We do. The sheep and the lambs we risk our lives to protect are torn from our arms by Roman soldiers. If it is an army down there, we should move up into the hills. But I don't think it is. What else can it be? Do you see the glinting of shiny steel or silver? Do you see spears glistening in the sun? No, but then there is so much dust. I thought of that, too. The dust might obscure the shiny metal. But there is something else missing, too. What? The sound of trumpets. Do Romans ever move in silence? No. They want the whole world to know and hear and tremble at the sound of their trumpets. Yet we hear nothing. Strange. An army that would move in silence. So it may not be an army at all. It must be. I think we should lead the sheep further up into the hills. Why run the risk? Yet, why disturb the ewes so close to giving birth to their lambs unless there's good reason? We must do what's best for the sheep. I shall go down there. Down there? It could be dangerous. I shall go down and see what this strange thing is. Then stay out of sight. Keep away from Caesar's men. Human life means nothing to them. And, and try to be back before dark. I'll try. Don't worry, Daniel. I'll be back. I wouldn't believe it. No, Daniel, you wouldn't. It is an army that moves silently, then. No, not an army at all. Unless women and children and tired old men with feet dusty and bleeding from the hard road are an army. Women? Children? What are you talking about? Yes, that's what it is. That cloud of dust you see now is our people moving as, as in a terrified sleep. Stunned, all of them, rooted up from their homes and set out on the road. Where are they taking them? To another land? No, they must go back and be counted. Counted? For what? For the census. It's Caesar's order. Everyone must go back to the place where he was born, and his wife and children must go with him. It's the law. Whole families sent out on the road that way? Yes. That's the cloud of dust down there. How could they do it? Children, old men and women, torn from their homes. If it were only the children and the old, it would be bad enough. What do you mean? When I first saw it, I felt a choking in my throat. I thought of what we had said, of how we'd decided not to move the sheep because the ewes were ready to drop their young. Well, Caesar thinks less of people than we do of our sheep. You mean women close to giving birth are down there, too? 
I don't believe it. It's true. The first one I saw was a woman, strong and healthy. But then... Then came another one. Sweet of face and frail. Seated on a donkey, she was, and a tall man held the reins and guided the donkey gently around a rock here and a stone there so that the animal wouldn't stumble and the young woman wouldn't be disturbed. That's good. Her discomfort must have been bad enough as it was. I don't know. Jonathan, there was something in her face, a, a glow of peace and contentment which seemed to radiate even through the dust and the noise and the crying of children. Her time was near, but there was no fear in her, no sign of pain or suffering. That's strange. I thought so, too. I, I looked at her for a long time, a very long time. Then she was already gone. Other faces crowded past me in the dusty air. Yet I remembered hers. Till the sound and the turmoil drowned out the moment of calm that came and went with her. That's when I turned and started to climb back up the hill. Jonathan, you talk so strangely. Do I? Yes. I, I don't know, Daniel. I, I never felt this way before. It must have been the effect of what you saw. Yes. It was all so strange. Imagine. People herded like cattle. How long can it go on? How long? We were promised a savior. Where is he? We were promised deliverance. Where is that? Must we be ground under the heel of Caesar forever? The... The sheep we raise are not our own. They are Caesar's whenever it pleases him to say the word. What kind of world is that? The Savior is ever to come. It must be soon, soon, else it will be too late. Jonathan, are you listening to me? Hmm. What? Jonathan. Here, look at me. What is it? I was thinking of her, the woman on the donkey. I, I found myself worrying about her. Where will she spend this night? I was wondering about that. Rebecca, come, my dear, away from the door. Haven't we had enough of travelers trying to stop at this inn and no room for them? I wonder where they've all gone. Who knows? To camp in the fields outside the town, most likely. Whoever thought so many of them would come back here to Bethlehem? When Caesar orders, the whole world moves. If our inn were larger, we could have given more of them shelter. The little one. Their eyes heavy with sleep, clutching so desperately to the hands of their mothers and fathers. 
It's the little ones my heart goes out to. Rebecca, you mustn't get to thinking about children again. You know it comes only to tears each time. Yes, yes, I know. Then come inside. Let me lock the door so no more travelers can beg for a night's shelter and be turned away. People must think there's no heart in an innkeeper, that he likes to turn travelers away. The look in their eyes, I feel like a criminal. So come. Besides, you're tired. You need the rest. Not yet, Ed. Not yet? Sounds as though you're waiting for something. Or for someone. No. It's the stars. The stars? Yes. Look up at them. Well, what are the stars? Don't you see? See? Rebecca, what is it? Tonight. Tonight the stars are different. Different? How? They are. They just are, that's all. Please, Rebecca, you frighten me when you talk that way. I'm not frightened. The heavens seem peaceful somehow. And brighter. Perhaps in times like these, there's peace only in the heavens. But come, Rebecca, let me lock the door before we're besieged by travelers again. In a little while. But you're tired. Tomorrow you'll have to rise early again to feed more guests than we've ever had before. It's only you I'm thinking of. Then let me watch a little while longer. It's always time to watch the stars. Another night. They won't look the same, Ezra. Never the same. Please, Rebecca, don't talk that way. It's true. Rebecca, come in before... There, you see, travelers. Now they'll curse me out for being greedy as though I have room and deliberately withhold it. Can you see them? How many are there? One bell is one donkey. A man leads it. There's a woman on it. Come, Rebecca, there may still be time for us. Friend, is that you standing in the doorway? See, Rebecca, he'll ask for room, but there is no room. Yes, I'm the innkeeper. What is it? Do you have room for two tired travelers? Room? All Judea would like to sleep in my little inn this night. There is no room. None at all. Our own bed is given over to travelers. We must sleep on a handful of straw in the kitchen. Please, sir. I wouldn't ask again except that we need a place. Any place. Any place where my wife could find shelter from the night air and the dampness of early morning. I wouldn't ask except that they'll draw near and you can see for yourself. What do you mean? Ezra, wait. I can see. Ezra, we must make room for her. But where? You know as wait, well as wait, I... Wait, Ezra, there is room. A dry place and warm, too. What? Yes, Ezra. The stable. The stable? Even that will do. If it is sheltered. And please, there is no time left. No time. Well, of course you may use the stable. There's fresh straw there. You can make a bed for her. Straw? Ezra, she must lie on linen. Fresh linen. Linen? In a stable? She should lie on linen. Fresh and clean and soft. A woman needs every little comfort we might give her in a time like this. Please, Ezra. Yes, Rebecca. The finest linen we possess. Come, my dear. I shall see your maid comfortable. Come. 
Your wife is a fine woman, innkeeper. Yes, a fine woman. Of good heart. And always giving. And every child which is born here about is her child. You see, friend, we... We have none of our own. I understand. So Rebecca takes her joy in the children of others. Perhaps it was meant to be in just this way. What did you say, friend? It was something you might not understand now. But please, don't call me friend in that friendless way. My name is Joseph. saw down there by the road this afternoon. Yes. When I close my eyes, I see those tired people struggling along that road. So I can't close them. I can only keep them open and stare up at the heavens, at the blue sky and the stars. Just look up there, Daniel. The heavens... Such blue should be silk and velvet, gracing the fairest woman who ever lived. Perhaps it does. Daniel, what did you mean by that? I, I don't know. It was though I had spoken with the voice of someone else. Then you must feel it, too. Yes. Since you've come back, everything has seemed to be different. And yet, it isn't. It can't be. I look up at the heavens. This night is like any other. The stars, each in its place. The sky, the blue of the season. The sheep here, content and drowsy. Why should it seem different to it? Daniel. Yes, Jonathan? The sky, it's not the same. A new star. A new light. There, you see? New light? Jonathan. Such a light as this, I've never seen before. Daniel. Daniel. Fear not. Jonathan. I heard it, Daniel. I heard it too. A voice from out of the heavens. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
Savior. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace toward men of good will. Daniel, the heavens are opening. Manger. I heard the voice say it. Manger. You heard it too. Savior. Manger. The city of David. Wait, Jonathan. Perhaps it didn't happen. How can we be sure? It came from the heavens in a voice few men have ever heard before. How can we doubt it? Would the word of God come to us? Lowly shepherds who tend a flock in the hills? Think. What was David once but a shepherd boy? And didn't God touch him and make him great among men, a king over our people? So that now the very Bethlehem that lies below us in the valley is known as the city of David. The voice came to a shepherd before. This night it has come again. It did happen before. Then we must go and see. We must find him. Now, at once. Find him? Where? How? Do we go through the city crying out in the dead of night? Is a child born here? How many babes are born this night in Bethlehem? How could we find the one child out of all of them? And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe lying in a manger. Come, Daniel, come. We must find that child. Sentry, we are two shepherds come out of the hills. Shepherds, eh? Come forward and stand in the light of this torch. Now, what do you want in Bethlehem? We seek a child. Child? At this hour of night? You're daft. You there. Yes, sir. If this lad's your friend, take care of him. He needs looking after. Sir, may we enter the town? I don't know if I should let you. But then you might as well. It seems half the world's inside these gates already. Go on in. But mind you, no disturbance, no trouble. Jonathan, please. The sentry will come after us if we keep disturbing people. We've tried so many places already. We must find the child. Who is it out there? Tell us, woman, is there a child here? A newborn child? Why do you come here? We seek a child, newborn. Newborn? 
How did you know? What do you want with a child? Does it lie in a manger? In a manger? Are you out of your senses? Pity the child so poor it must lie in a manger. Now go, be on your way. What is it? If you seek room here, there is none. There's been no room in this inn since early evening. Please go away. Wait, innkeeper. We didn't come asking for room, but seeking a child, a newborn child. Be on your way. There is no child here, newborn and lying in a manger. Who are you? Only shepherds come out of the hills. What is it, Ezra? Is there trouble? Rebecca, these two men here, they, they say they're shepherds who've come seeking a child which lies in a manger. Of course. What do you mean? The woman in the stable. Her child. It would lie in a manger. There. You see, innkeeper. Now, where is the child? Where? Go round to the side, sir. To the stable. There you'll find the child. Come, Daniel. Come. Thank you, woman. Rebecca, how did they know? It's so strange. Everything has changed this night. Everything. When I saw the stars, I felt it. When I saw her, I knew it. This time, Daniel. This time we find the child. You knocked, friend? Sir, a child. Newborn. Is he here? By the grace of God. Daniel! Did you hear the words the man spoke? I heard. Sir, tell us. Does he lie in a manger? Yes, my friend. Then we must see him. We must. Please let us in. Yes. But quietly. For the child's sake. And for her sake, too. So this is the mother. Blue should be silken velvet, gracing the fairest woman who ever lived. It's what you said before, Jonathan. Daniel, the woman I saw before who inspired those words. This is she. And this is the child. Only shepherds, yet we are first to see the child. The Savior. You know this too. How? It came to us in a voice from heaven, out there on the hillside in the dead of night. This is he, the Savior, born in the city of David, lying in a manger, 
All this a voice told you. All this and more. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace toward men of goodwill. Mary, Mary, did you hear? Oh, good lady, I've said nothing to make you weep. Friend, some tears are good to weep. Jonathan, so much has happened this night, so much. We must go and tell them, tell them all. Come, Jonathan, come. First, we must kneel and adore him. Look at him. Was there ever such a child as this? Daniel, we shall pray. friend, to tell everyone of the great thing which has happened. Peace be to you both, and to the child, for all his life. Farewell, my friend. Mary, Mary, did you hear? They knew. Now everyone will know. And the words, Mary, the words the angel spoke. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace toward men of goodwill. on this same network at this time, we will present Incident in Bethlehem, the second of two Christmas season dramas, part of the greatest story ever told about the greatest life ever lived.
Welcome back. Well, an interesting story, and I thought an interesting treatment of the innkeeper. Uh, because, uh, you know, when there are uh, Christmas uh, stories told, the innkeeper is often treated very badly as someone who is money-grubbing or uncaring. That's not anything you would actually get from the Bible, and probably wasn't the case. I like the portrayal of him as a guy who's just trying to cope with uh, his town being absolutely swamped and not able to find room for people. And the way his wife is written and how she cares for babies who are born there while dealing with her own feelings of infertility, I, I just really love that. It's such a sweet uh, touch. And it provides just a good touch of humanity to the overall story and the way it's told. And I think it's part of the approach that's used with the greatest story ever told. Because they are you know, very uh, dedicated to being true to what... Uh, the scriptures and various traditions teach. And so oftentimes, you know, when you listen to their plays, the uh, people who were actually written in the Bible and events actually written about are often spoken of in a very sort of uh, airy, almost ethereal sort of way. That, uh, I, I think, can turn off like some modern uh, listeners. But characters whose roles and activities are less well-defined by scripture, they tend to take more of an attitude of, well, this person could have been like this, and then kind of use those extra biblical characters to ground the overall storytelling. While the innkeeper wasn't a villain in the Bible, Caesar really was, and I, I thought they did an interesting job bringing that home. Because the whole point of the taxation was not just about collecting a revenue. It was the idea of asserting authority and making people from all over the empire travel back to their home city because the emperor said so. So some interesting choices in this presentation, and I hope you enjoyed it. That will conclude uh, this year's Christmas programs. I hope all of you have a very good Christmas season. And uh, we'll, of course, be back over on the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. The Amazing World of Radio is going in for its typical uh, winter hiatus, but we'll be back on February 11th with a special episode for Lincoln's birthday and then return on Wednesday, February 23rd for the start of our spring series. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.